0: Your source for Big game Talk It's Off Tackle Empire To Off Tackle Empire where this week we're gonna talk about uh the, the guys that are usually at the end of this because they've usually lost to Ohio State in the conference title game. That's right. It's time to talk about the Wisconsin Badgers. So everybody top off your brandy and let's talk Let's talk about running the dang ball. With me today is uh, Bucky's fifth quarter contributor Tyler Hunt.
1: Tyler, how are you doing? I am great. I'm excited to talk some Wisconsin football. We've it's been a little bit um, since we've really dove into it, but the season's going to be here before before we know it. So I'm I'm excited to kind of make that transition into talking to football.
0: You know, I've really been not I, I, I've really been reluctant to dive into football season because the last football game I got emotionally invested in was also in the state of Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I, I it it was the Packers home loss to the 49ers in the playoffs oh i gotcha that was die a hard packer backer and i i oh there you go i don't know why but i took that one very very personally and had to had to disconnect from football for a while but that one that sure one, i'm gonna be ready to stings. hurt again
1: still stings that one for sure
0: I'm 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 sure i'm gonna be gonna be ready to hurt again uh, <laughs> what, what 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 it pains me to say it was what a big 10 way to lose a football game on a mm-hmm. on a well, really, no. It's because they weren't Big Ten enough because they botched a punt. That's true. And that was That's that true. was the problem. So, <laughs> so anyway, what we had with Wisconsin was we started off the year um, with a fitting to watch a game against Penn State, and then the wheels fell off in the first four games, kind of before things really got back on track and. It, it, it just seemed like if it, – it, it, it's a bit hard to know how good they they were as a result because, uh, you know, perhaps with an easier schedule, they're, you know, right back to 10 games like they usually are. But they had uh, – you know, Notre Dame was a, a pretty tough one. Having Penn State and Michigan up front was, was pretty tough. But, uh, you know, narratives being what they are, of course, losing the first – losing three of those first four just, you know, not only derailed Wisconsin, but derailed all the Graham Mertz hype.
1: It absolutely did. I mean, they, it's just, he's, he's, it's hard to, it's hard to know what Graham Mertz truly is and what that team was early in that season. You know, I think if they played um, that Penn state game later in the season, I think it's probably a different result, but you can't, you can't go off ifs and maybes on, on how good your football team is. Um, so that, that The beginning of the year was certainly rough last year. I, it was a tough, front-loaded schedule. The Notre Dame game, as ugly as it looks in the final score, was actually a pretty close game for the first three quarters. It all kind of fell off even in the fourth quarter. So there's definitely things you could look at and say maybe this season could have gone better. But, again, it's going back to maybes. Losing three or four is – and not not scoring enough points to to win those games is is you got to just take those losses and, and kind of move on. Thankfully they did, but you know that's uh, that's another conversation. Different team, kind of later in the year.
0: Yeah, the end of that Notre Dame Wisconsin game was a lot. You know, the, the closest I've ever seen to that thing that happens when you used to play the NCAA football uh, video games, and you'd you'd get the momentum going against you you'd throw a pick and then it would then it would it, it would hurt your ratings. so you'd go back <laughs> out and throw another pick immediately because that's that's what happened you just Mertz just couldn't stop throwing picks so um kind of the thing that seemed to really help right the ship was well first off not having uh two top 10 teams back to back again but also um leaning more on the running game which is surprising that you know that it would be a conversation you'd have to have uh, as Wisconsin, but uh, the emergence of uh, Braylon Allen, um, whereas the running back room seemed like it could be a bit of a problem uh, with the, uh, the 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 Jalen Berger controversy. If you have any insight as to what happened there, because it 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 seemed like that was going to
1: spell disaster. Yeah, that running back room. It it did. It seemed like, you know, Braylon Allen originally was a recruit that they had plans for either outside linebacker, middle linebacker, even safety at one point. So they when he got to school, they're like, we don't even know where he's going to line up. And he ended up being, you know, one of the best running backs in the country in a matter of seven, eight weeks. So that one, they got lucky, I think, with with him turning out to be a pretty good running back Uh, the other. But yeah, at the time, I mean the Jalen Berger situation, when he first came onto the scene in that COVID year, you thought, okay, this is the next kid. And then as far as insight into that one, it's, there was some weird Wisconsin running back kind of off the field issues. We were talking before we, you started recording that you kind of get a lot of coach speak from Paul Christ. The rest of the athletic department kind of gives you that as well. So there was some, rumblings but nothing ever really confirmed rumblings that he didn't want to go to practice that when he was at practice was a bit of a, a a diva and and like I said I don't know if any of those were confirmed but some weird some weird happenings in that room for sure that that saw him go out the door and, and now at Michigan State so it ended up working out for the Badgers that Braylon Allen came along but if he didn't show up to where they to where he ended up getting to be um, I think this offense was was really going to continue to struggle without his presence because there's a direct correlation from that winning streak of seven, you know seven in a row. I think it was um, was right when he came up on the scene and and really changed the entire offense in in a, in a big way.
0: yeah, if if you'd have Paul Chris, you know, I don't know if he ever summed up what happened, but I, I'm sure his explanation was something along the lines of, well, you see the problem, the thing that limited Jalen Berger was that he was not on the ros- on the active roster
1: at the okay. time who's uh, <laughs> not able to deal with this, so um, he says a lot, but but gets Paul Chris likes to say a lot of words, then and, and they don't really ever mean anything. It's he's he's a great coach speak as we were as we were talking about. Right, so Braylon Allen ends
0: up being the most uh, productive touchdowner of any variety, eclipsing uh, Mertz's ten. Uh, passing touchdowns with his 12 rushing touchdowns. But the thing about this is uh, a Wisconsin passing game that was a liability is going to lose their top three targets now. So nobody else on the team that's going to be returning had double-digit catches or more than one touchdown. And it, it, it doesn't really seem like they've made a lot of efforts to address this urgently. Um, Keontez Lewis from UCLA came in. But uh, you know, obviously, Wisconsin is is you know well suited to lean heavily on the running game, but uh, an already somewhat uh, suspect passing offense is going to have a bit of a tough time replacing three experienced guys like that. Um, do you think? Uh, are they wise to stand pat here? <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that,
1: the wide receiver and tight end room is an interesting one because you look at it. I mean, like you said. You know Ferguson gone, it was a great player for years. Um, which is he's also Barry uh, Alvarez's grandson, if you guys didn't know that. <laughs> um, um, Danny Davis gone, Kendrick Pryor, you know, a, a senior guy that's gone but battled injuries over his last couple of years. He kind of was not on his way out, but his presence wasn't super felt um, over the, even the last couple of years. So it's, it's an interesting wide receiver room where they don't have a lot of proven talent um, that they're going to be able to lean on. The, the top guy is a guy like Chimre DK who showed flashes, but is he ready to take on the entire passing game load? I don't know. Keontas Lewis is a guy that I know the coaching staff is excited about, but a UCLA was a somewhat somewhat productive player, but you really don't know how it's going to fit. Um, And then beyond that, there's some young guys like Marcus Allen is an up and coming fresh or, you know, redshirt freshman wide receiver that they like. But again, we haven't seen it in any meaningful snaps. So it's it's going to be an interesting room. I think better quarterback play will make that room look a lot better. But when you look at what they had last year, it's it's tough to replace all three of those players. I mean, Jake Ferguson's they don't have a, a replacement anywhere close to what Jake Ferguson brings to the table in the run game, blocking, in the pass game, catching. He did a lot, and, and really, in a long line of Wisconsin tight ends that are pretty good, he's up there in that conversation. So you can't replace them with, with one person. You're hoping maybe it's a couple guys that step all up, up, but the wide receiver and tight end room is, is definitely going to be, on, a, on the side of the ball, that's already got some question marks at the quarterback position. They kind of go hand in hand. That passing game is once again going to be a, a big question especially when implementing a somewhat new offense um, with, with Bobby Ingram now the offensive coordinator how much will it really look different probably not that much different but there'll still be some new wrinkles that they'll be they'll be rolling out.
0: It is always the interesting thing that you, when, you, when you have a, a coach that's got a play calling background as, as a head coach um, and just uh, how how, how much responsibility you really put on, on your, your coordinators when they don't really have experiences, play callers themselves. You see this with, uh, of course, Jeff Brown's offensive coordinators. Um, interesting thing with Scott Frost's offensive coordinators, but uh, long story short, it's going to look very similar because it is still the same head coach uh, who, who's been the offensive architect. Uh, but, yeah, thank you for humoring me through all of, you know, the the, the boring offensive positions because we're, we're going to talk about the thing that Wisconsin people really want to talk about. And that's the oh, offensive yeah. line. Um, it, it looks like if what we're seeing on depth chart is right here, we're going to have the first wave of those really high-profile offensive line recruits from a few years back uh, finally hit the starting lineup. So, uh, one, is that accurate? And, two, you do you, do you think that can take things to a different level?
1: Yeah, so that that group of, you know, the last couple, two two and three recruiting classes ago was when the offensive line, and they've always recruited that position well. It's, it's what Wisconsin does best, but they really started to take a step up with some of those guys. The one being, um, you know, on this year's offensive line, Jack Nelson started last year. He is... I think, I mean, a four-star, five-star kid, but really, really, I think uh, almost a steal in this class. And that's saying a lot because he was already very highly recruited, but um, just so physical and kind of one of those Wisconsin offensive linemen that will go hard until the whistle. And and sometimes after last year, there was a couple of times where he was flagged for unnecessary roughness. And I think that fits perfectly um, when we were talking about the Wisconsin coaching staff had a big shuffling this off season, Bob Bostad, the former offensive line coach, is moving back into that position. And he had some pretty pretty nasty offensive lines when he was a part of it. So I hope that change will really, you know, him being the offensive line coach will bring that kind of out of some of these high-profile recruits. So you're going to have Nelson. You'll have some other guys. Tipman, Tyler Beach was a surprise return as a senior. Um, But he'll give you quite a bit. Logan Brown um, is one. He was – you know, at, according to 247, he's the highest rated recruit in in Wisconsin history, but we really haven't seen it um, quite yet. It's kind of put up or shut up time for him now that he's going to have a legit shot at that right tackle spot. So I think this offensive line has the chance to be really, really good and and it should help the running game, which was already pretty good, but they're still going to need some guys like a Logan Brown. Um to really take that step up and be what the recruiting rankings say he's going to be, um, because really we haven't—you haven't seen Logan Brown other than if you go to practice, that's all you see of him. And there's been times where he's looked good at practice, but it's—it's it's time to see what he can do on the field. And he'll probably be at that right tackle spot. Nelson will likely be at that left tackle spot. So those are your two, you know, pillar pieces that you built on the last couple of years, and we'll see how they uh, translate out.
0: Cause I will say this of the teams in the big 10 West. And there's a surprising amount that were mostly running oriented offense that are losing most of what little receiving production they had. I think of four off the top of my head, there's Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin would seem to me just to have the best upside at the offensive line position First, you have, um, you know, uh, a great stable of backs with, uh, with Minnesota, but, uh, you know, Iowa, uh, Wisconsin seems to me to be the one that, uh, as far as the offense, you know, how good can the offensive line be? The ceiling seems to me to be the highest there. Um, of course, it was kind of an uh, an interesting game to watch from a Wisconsin perspective when they 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 did play Illinois because you saw Illinois just immediately go to the pass for whatever reason and uh, instead playing themselves out of the game in the exact same way that Wisconsin had played themselves out of the last two games by (laughs) throwing the ball a lot when, you know, even if the other team knows that's all you can do, it's still more effective than (laughs) this is big 10 West football. That's just what we do here. And until they do scrap divisions, I believe probably in 2024, Uh, sorry, the rest of America, you're just going to have to get hip to this. You're just going to have to learn to appreciate it. You got two more years of it. So strap in because it's coming and it is going to be hot and heavy, very sweaty, big meaty men slapping meats. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful game when you understand it, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Much like the, uh, the sea lion mating ritual, uh, truly (laughs) a, a majestic sight to behold. So, uh, of course, Another one of those assembly line positions for Wisconsin is the, uh, linebacker, uh, where Jack Sanborn, uh, Leah Chanel, who I, I still think is maybe the most underrated of the linebackers we had last year. Just, uh, you know, to borrow a soccer phrase, he was here, he was there, he was every fucking where, <laughs> right. Um, uh, Nick Herbig is the kind of the returning anchor for that group, but, uh, it, it, it's kind of like an Iowa offensive line thing where you, you might not necessarily, it, uh, unless you're you're deep into the depth chart uh, all the time, eventually, you might not necessarily know who's going to be the starter, but you could reasonably assume that they're going to hold it down pretty well. So who who are going to be those guys?
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of a handful of guys right now. And and a lot of them, when you talk about Chanel and Sanborn, you're going to have a lot to replace. I mean, 220 some, 215, 220 tackles last year that they're going to have to step up. And, and the guys that are in that mix are guys that have not seen the field in, in any big, meaningful minutes. So it's going to be kind of a, a competition um, between uh, a junior named Tatum Grass, who the coaching staff really likes, kind of coming along well. Uh, Muma Injongmeta Mehta is another one. I think he's likely a backup right now in this competition. I don't think if you're talking, you know, it's probably a group of four or five guys. He's probably got the furthest odds out, but talent guy that they think can develop into something. He didn't start playing football until I think his junior, junior year of high school. Um, so still very raw player. Uh, the other ones on the inside, Jordan Turner is a guy that I've, I've really liked. I think he could be uh, the starter next to grass. Um, and then beyond that, there's a couple other wild cards that you could see in there. Um, Spencer Lytle was a guy that was on the outside. They're moving him inside and he was a pretty good outside linebacker. So you would think they're moving him for a reason Um, because he's talented. They're going to want him on the field. So I'd say of the four, it could be any combination and and likely, you know, the last couple of years they've had it where they've leaned on Sanborn and Chenal for 99% of the snaps. If they were breathing, they were out there. You might have it this year more where it'll be a, a group of collections, especially early you know, this year it's nice for Wisconsin because the schedule is much easier in the front where you can kind of work your guys in, feel who you're good about before you get into that beautiful game of Big Ten West football. So any of those names I could see being a starter. Who it's going to be right now is, you know, odds-on favorite is, is Grass and, and probably Spencer Lytle, but it's really a, a crapshoot as to who it'll be on the inside. Outside, they've got a good amount of talent and, and Herbig. Um C.J. Getz is probably the other guy on the outside, but that's kind of that second outside linebacker spot a little bit uh, of a competition as well.
0: Yeah, and, and that's an interesting point you bring up about the schedule because, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into this in a second. Uh, Wisconsin's going to have some real problems replacing the secondary, but when you, you talk about a whole receiving core, a lot of linebackers in the secondary, kind of a lot more new faces than we're used to seeing from Wisconsin. However, the first three games – are Illinois state, uh, Washington state, New Mexico state. So, uh, you know, the first and the third there are FCS level teams, New Mexico state's just, uh, <laughs> consi- I mean, they were out in the wilderness. I-, I don't know. Are they, they're still independent now, I believe. Right. Yes. Uh, I believe. So. Yeah. So I- they're, I don't know what their future plans are, but they are literally where UConn was a couple of years ago, as far as, just having been uh, left out in the cold. They're not independent for the same reasons Notre Dame is independent. Let's put it that way. Um, And a sandwich in between there is Washington State. It's kind of tough to know what they're going to be like since their, you know, since their air raid coach decided to walk away from an enormous contract and his team instead of, you know, getting a shot like a, like a toddler. Um, So, it, it, it was weird. There was a point in time where Washington state without a head coach had a chance to win the PAC 12 North. Yeah, uh, They went on quite a straight, it would have been quite the story, but uh, <laughs> I, it, it is really hard to know what they're going to be like. Um, of course, you know, as, as I mentioned, uh, Caesar Williams, fan Hicks, Scott Nelson, Colin Wilder, all gone. Um, but that is also the, positional area where Paul Christ went to the portal, the most heavy.
1: Yes. Yeah. They, they got active in the transfer portal at really only at at cornerback and um, wide receiver, which we talked about earlier. Secondary was, I think it was a good move to go out and get some of these guys because you just, you, the, you, the young group similar to the last couple of classes where there's some talent, you know, on the offensive line, there was some talent there on the quarterback room, but still haven't seen it. So you wanted to bring in some proven bodies. So Cedric Dort out of Kentucky is going to be likely Cedric Dorton and, and Jay Shaw, I think, are your two starters at corner. They've just played a lot of football at power five level unless someone really, really comes along and surprises, um, you know, Jim Leonard and that defense and earns a different starting spot. Um, it's likely going to be those two. Justin Clark out of Toledo is the other transfer in uh, at the cornerback room. He's pretty talented too, maybe underrated. So you could have the top three just filled in with a transfer portal. Um, At the safety position, they also brought in a very recently uh, a transfer in Kamoyla too. He was at Utah and played his high school football with Nick Herbig. um, So they're good friends and got him to come over, played a little bit at Utah and could be a guy that's in your safety rotation to go along with um, John Torchio, who's Who's, who's, who's a really good player? Not like the most athletic guy. You'll you'll look at and you'll be like, okay, just does, how does he make plays? But he's kind of always there making plays. They call him the jewel thief because he's always just kind of around the ball and forcing turnovers. <laughs> and then beyond that, uh, in the secondary room, you've got uh, you know there was another safety in Travion Blaylock who's super athletic. Actually, it's he sounds like he tore his ACL, so he's likely going to be out, which then bumps up two and then another one of those prize recruits from those couple classes and Hunter Waller, who has been an in-state kid that the people in Wisconsin have been following since early in his high school career. Um, he's was a four-star kid really looks to be um, the next line of, of really talented, like really talented, hard-hitting safeties. He might be into almost a starting role now next to John Torchio and and the two maybe battling it out and having a three-man rotation in that safety room. So there is a lot gone there, but if some of these transfers work out and if Wohler and, and and some of these guys project to where Wisconsin thinks they can be, I think the secondary, while being coached up by Jim Leonard, still should be pretty good. But to the naked eye, if you don't know some of these names, it certainly can look a little bit more, I think, more concerning um, then maybe what it'll be, hopefully it'll be better than, than what it looks. Cause right now you look at, you know, if you, if you've got the Phil steel magazine or the Athlon magazine, it looks, looks pretty naked um, on that depth chart.
0: Yeah. So of course you bring up uh, Jim Leonard and uh, that he's, he's been mentioned for more and more uh, candidacies. I don't believe he's been in serious talks about any of this, but this is also how the Dave Aranda leaving town train started, right? Where it was, oh yeah people just notice this is a very successful coordinator having a lot of success at this program and then eventually people start hey well why isn't this guy getting interviewed and you know pretty soon he's not going to get interviewed and then and then then all of a sudden it starts to happen and then it starts to happen a little more seriously where are we with that time frame and do we think Jim Leonard
1: uh has more reason to stay I think it's it is a weird one because you look for anyone if you don't Follow Wisconsin. You would think, you know, a really successful defensive coordinator, likely like in the past. You know, you had Dave Veranda left, Justin Wilcox. Now the head coach of Kale left shortly after that. So you would think, you know, based on the recent defensive coordinators, that Jim Leonard would have jumped off to another job by now. But I think this guy, you know, played at Wisconsin, has his family here. He's got young kids in school, and I think he's just kind of happy. Uh, being the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, I would think based on the conversations, you know, last year as Packer fans, we heard rumblings of Jim Leonard being the new defensive coordinator for the Packers. There's there, that's almost a dream job for some people. So I would think if he was going to leave, it would have probably been right now. Um, so selfishly as a Wisconsin fan, I hope it stays that way because I do think Jim Leonard is one of the top, you know, defensive coordinators in the country. I wish, in a way. Paul Chris was a little older, so maybe you could just kind of have a coach and waiting situation, but he's still fairly young. So I don't know if that's really something that they talked about. And, and maybe you say, maybe you give him a pay raise and say coach and waiting, but you might be waiting a long time. If you have success, you know, winning nine, 10 games a year, Paul Chris is going to have uh, a job for a lot of years. So it's, it's Associated
0: really he head went. coach. Yeah. yeah.
1: You... Yep. You, you could easily do that, but what does it mean? Who knows? But selfishly I hope it stays the way it's going. He seems to get interviews for jobs and get asked about jobs and and keeps coming back. It's clear he loves Madison and and loves being at Wisconsin. And I, I I do hope it stays that way, but you can understand it, you know, kind of either way. Um, if he were to go off somewhere else, he's had enough success. He certainly earned it. But if he comes back, that's great for Wisconsin because he's, he's a a pillar piece for the program right now. So kind of the opposite of the Brian's Brian Ferentz situation.
0: Uh, Anyway, after those first three games, uh, you know, very much a a, a tune-up because September 24th is against Ohio State – And, you know, we, I mean, previewing them is not going to sound remotely like uh, previewing any of the rest of these because we're, we're, we're talking about how many dudes they sent to the NFL. And then uh, even if I, I don't know who's going to start somewhere, you can reasonably assume that they're going to get some, you know, all Big Ten votes at least. Um, they, 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 they have all of the, their entire receiving core. All agreed that uh, of the receivers in the group, the best one was not either of the ones that went with first-round picks. So you know, it's 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 scary stuff. It's uh, it's very uh, it's very blackpilling, if you will, to look at their recruiting. Uh, but but they 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 do show up on the schedule from time to time.
1: They do. They do. And it's always, I mean, more recently than that, it's been uh, a tough spot on the schedule where you look at it, you know, all these, you know, the Big Ten championship games, you meet them there and, 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 and in fall and it'd be, it'd be so nice to knock them off one of these times. I don't know if this year's quite that year based on this Wisconsin team right now. Um, that So that, that'll be a very good measuring stick type game because you know like those those first three games are are good tune-ups illinois state new mexico state great washington state maybe maybe is you know if if that game was a a different week it might be a a different story we'll see what that team is but likely a game that wisconsin wins so you feel good coming out of the gates but you're going to have a very big test where you're going to be ready to go you know that following week with Ohio as, State, and and there's other ones on the schedule too that are are, are going to be tough. So we'll see where this team's at.
0: As far as the crossovers are concerned, it's actually not that different from last year, outside of the fact that uh, they they don't have those you know their two brutal ones back to back. Because mm-hmm. of course, um, Michigan State, contrary to what uh, perennial cellar dwellers are often told by their most optimistic fans. Uh, they got to spend one year in purgatory and that was 2020. And, and then they just got to suddenly be extremely good again, which uh, uh, of course chaps my ass to absolutely no end, but uh, they, they're going to show up on the schedule after Wisconsin uh, presumably tramples Illinois and Northwestern uh, as they've done several times in years past. Um, that seems to me to be uh, another one of the tougher, you know, and one of the taller orders on the schedule before then the, uh, the four of the last five are division games that Wisconsin could potentially lose. Um, I would expect them to be favorites in most of these games, but you have Purdue then you've got, you got Maryland. So, so at home against Purdue, then at home against Maryland and then uh, road games against Iowa and Nebraska. And then at home for, of course, the X. Um, it feels like based on the fact that on paper, Nebraska has a team that could compete in the top of this conference. Purdue's coming off a nine-win season. Uh, Iowa and Minnesota are just and Wisconsin are basically all eight and a half win Big Ten West teams. Um it it seems like an awful lot of uh, you know, the, those last three weeks are going to be pretty chaotic as far yeah. as the top of the standings go.
1: Yeah, the 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 schedule. While I I certainly think it's better than last year, when you look at you know those early games, you know all sandwiched in the front, um, and then Wisconsin got to go on that run. This year, you're going to have hurdles all throughout the schedule. I mean, the 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 non conference stuff's a lot easier, and that's great. But and yeah, you'll pick up likely at least two three wins in that. But you've still got to make sure that your team's ready to go because that Big Ten schedule. Ohio State, Michigan State, two incredibly tough games. But that back of the schedule is almost just as tough with the collection of games and road trips that you've got. You know, going to Kinnick is is always a tough one. Wisconsin's had success there in recent years, but it's always a 14 to 10, 20 to 10 type game where it's it's going to come down to two, three plays, whichever defense makes a, makes a turnover, forces a turnover, whichever offense breaks a run. That can go either way. Nebraska, they've had a lot of success at Nebraska. recently. you know, they've they've always done well playing that game, but they're getting better, and it's always a nervous one on the schedule because eventually they're they're going to get picked off by by a, a team like that. Minnesota a rivalry game doesn't matter where it's played; it's always uh, a competitive game. I know the last you know 15 years it's been dominated by Wisconsin, but these last three four years have all been you know relatively tight, close games, tight matchups. So that one, they're they're all going to be tough in their own right. I mean, it's the Big Ten West. All the teams are generally pretty even, and that makes for even and and, and tight games. But that's also what makes it fun. This division, I think, is is pretty wide open. Uh, you know, I, I'm as a Wisconsin fan, I think it could go six, seven different ways in the Big Ten West, and that's kind of what we've seen for years now. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, there was a there was.
0: Quite a long, basically, for the entire existence of the Big Ten West, uh, we've seen, you know, article after article from various publications kind of breaking down. Well, look, there's not really a clear favorite because when you look at every team's case so you go through every team's case and then you conclude, well, uh, everyone, anyone could win the Big Ten West except Illinois, <laughs> right? That's always, we had an acronym for that. Of course, now you lump Northwestern in there. Um, uh, Illinois would have to, they'd have to do an awful lot to their passing game to 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 be competitive although i will point this out uh the two weeks prior to them playing at wisconsin they have a bye and then a thursday night game against chattanooga so knowing brett biel and his history after buys eh, it it could be an interesting one to watch i would certainly hope that they'd have a better showing than they had last year getting zero points um but yeah i mean wisconsin is uh Wisconsin is a team that in our previews on the podcast, there were a bunch of years where we predicted this was going to be the year that they fell off and then they just got better. And then the year we said they were going to have their best team ever, uh, they kind of fell off. And, uh, um, well, I don't know if they fell off. They didn't really because that was 2019. They lost two games and they still ended up in the Big Ten title game. But, uh um, I, I think it was because going into that year we uh, we thought they could beat Ohio State and uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems that, you know, with a bit of a of, of a reshuffling, they it seemed like 2019 should have been the kind of the peak of the wave of that program. It's a stable program, so it's got ebbs and flows, but um, could be building to another one soon, but of course, there are uh, definite things to iron out. Where do you see? their record ending up.
1: I think this year you're looking at uh, as a Wisconsin fan and I try to be as realistic. I mean, every year you go into the season as a Badger fan, you feel like it could go really well and they could win 10 games and be in the big 10 West champ or big 10 West winner, and and go to the big 10 championship and get beat by two touchdowns by whichever respective East team wants to do that. Um, I think that is very much a possibility. I also think that a 8 and 4 season is is quite a possibility. I think there's just so much unknown about this team going into it that it really could end up in any of those. I don't think the the wheels are going to completely fall off and you're looking at like a 6 and 6 team or anything like that. I think there's plenty of talent here and I think they'll get some things short up that are maybe question marks right now and so more I, critically
0: to me i think that the biggest issue their defense is going to have being the inexperience in the secondary there's only one team in the division that can take advantage of that and that's purdue they don't play right. them till the later in the season right uh uh the only other team for which that would be a problem is ohio state and it kind of wouldn't matter who you put in there on the secondary they would have a big problem mm-hmm. so exactly so exactly. that's the thing it's it's a good matchups for like the issue that wisconsin is going to have on defense is is probably if you're going to choose an issue to have an issue where you're where you're you're maybe not as uh, as comfortable or experienced secondary is where you want to do it
1: yeah exactly in this division. yeah i think i think that that plays into really what this this team could take advantage i mean that early season schedule will get you some secondary guys and like you mentioned you're going to, you know, going through the schedule, I'm going to just chalk that Ohio State road trip up as a loss. So you're looking at a three and one start. And then after that, unfortunately, they play at Northwestern, which I know Northwestern stinks most years, but Wisconsin playing at Northwestern is a house of horrors and they just never show up for that game. So it's always a scary one. Michigan State, you could see them. I, I think there's plenty of places in the schedule where you can see them getting picked off. I'd say, at, you know at the height of the team 10 and two at the worst eight and four so I, I'd probably split the middle and say this is a, a nine and three football team which is kind of on par for Wisconsin and we'll make some fans happy some fans will want more and and we'll just continue on this roller coaster of Wisconsin football which is you know 10 wins go to the outback bowl and and, and see if you can win one. <laughs>
0: yep. But ultimately, the math we have to do is figure out just how many Big Ten West teams are capable of finishing eight and four. So anyway, uh, that's the uh, oblong-shaped ball aspect. But it's time to round ball rock because currently on this podcast, uh, this is the only episode where we've had two fans of Big Ten champion teams and no fans of of teams that did not win the Big Ten. So that's good stuff. <laughs> Uh, the difference between Illinois and Wisconsin is that Illinois had some pretty lofty preseason expectations, whereas Wisconsin's preseason expectations were. Um, can, are, are, are we going to have a new coach in the wake of that whole mutiny incident?
1: Yeah, that was a weird. That was a weird time of Wisconsin basketball, and it's kind of gotten forgotten about now that you had such a successful year this past year. But uh, definitely an odd an odd end of last season and an incredibly surprising this past season with how it turned out a a
0: parallel. I will say this, I was fairly early on in the Brad Underwood era. There was a, a, there was a time when for the second time in two years, the entire roster turned over and then there kept being these things where it's like, yeah, he's been subpoenaed in this FBI thing, not charged, but just subpoenaed stuff. So it's like, (laughs) "Oh, Oh, wait a second. Are we are 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 we about to lose our brand new coach? And then immediately after that, uh, things kind of took off. So I guess kind of uh that seems to be a thing in uh Big Ten basketball lately is if you think your coach is in the danger zone, uh good things might be about to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh keep an eye on that, Michigan fans.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah, so the the looking at this. Team in the preseason, you thought, well, how the hell are they going to score any points? And uh, the answer was Johnny Davis.
1: Yes, he was phenomenal. Honestly, it was one of the more enjoyable seasons of of Wisconsin basketball that I've ever had because I went in with no expectations, and Johnny Davis lofted those expectations exponentially, and was just a treat to watch. I'm so excited that he had a good year, and you know, top ten pick. Never would have saw that coming this time a year ago. So. It, it made it, Wisconsin basketball really enjoyable. And it also made me buy into the program again, which has always been stable, similar to football. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, I'm invested again in Wisconsin basketball. And now this is when you get your heart broke with them. When, when you're all pro, you know, guard leaves, now you're going to go into maybe this is the year where some lumps might be taken, but we'll see.
0: Well, I mean, it, it was was a very charmed existence for sure, but uh, the, the team was very set up to, to maximize a player like Davis. They were contrasted with Iowa a lot, with Keegan Murray, but the difference is Wisconsin's role players formed a much more complete team. Now, granted, they had about a five-man rotation going the entire year, but um, uh, Davis was not the only sophomore that – took a big leap forward. Obviously he did a, a much, a much bigger leap if you will, but um, you know, there's, there, there, there are, does remain a core for Wisconsin. Of course um, much to everyone's chagrin, uh, Brad Davison got to uh, ride off into the sunset with a shit eating grin.
1: <laughs> yeah. That, did, did you see the, uh, the post, is that your friend of the post where he said he was going to come back? No. I don't know if you saw that I, it was I April didn't. Fools. Yeah. April Fools, he tweeted, or Wisconsin basketball tweeted out from the official account that Brad Davison got like a metal medical hardship waiver <laughs> and coming back for his seventh season, and it set Twitter on fire. It was it was one of the best April Fools jokes I've ever seen. So
0: a lot of things have happened on the internet since then, but yeah, <laughs> I generally do not appreciate April Fools jokes very much because they're either uncreative or mean that one is right in the sweet spot where it's like, that's a thing that could plausibly happen. That would make me really mad. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, um, and and, and obviously because Wisconsin was a big 10 team, uh, they disappointed in March madness. um, And uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't really know what else to say about this. Um, I think Wisconsin didn't necessarily have the best draw of anybody in the tournament, but um, still, I mean, certainly not the uh, most embarrassing loss that anybody took Iowa.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that game was, I can still hear that Iowa State game, that the clanks that they threw up off the rim. I mean, it was so just, I mean, and this team had, you knew that eventually it was going to get bit, in, in a bad time by not having any sort of shooting consistently. And, and they got bit pretty bad, but that Iowa state game was, if they could just shoot, I think they maybe shot, they made one three pointer and it was in garbage time at the end. So it was, they could just knock down any sort of shot. They likely win that game, but that's Wisconsin basketball. I mean, just inconsistent streaky shooting will, will get you beat, especially when you're not, I mean, they were, they weren't great on the defensive end in that game. Either that had been their bread and butter. And when you don't do both sides all that well, it's usually when you get beat.
0: But so of course, he also had some transfers out uh, in Ben Carlson and Lauren Bowman. But uh, next year, this is Tyler Wall's team. Uh, however, uh, Chucky Hepburn may
1: also have something to say about that. Yes, yeah. Chucky e. Hepburn was was phenomenal this past year. He was, I mean, Johnny Davis was certainly a surprise, but you knew the potential was there. Chucky e. Hepburn, you know, was a, a guy out of Nebraska, four, three, four-star kid that everybody at Wisconsin felt good about, but I don't know if they necessarily expected the leap that he took as now being the floor general for this team, which is huge because, like you mentioned, Davis Davison also gone. So you needed a guard to mature quickly, and Chucky Hepburn did that, where all of a sudden you feel good about the point guard position going into next year. Um, Wall is certainly your go-to guy, the guy you play through, but even, you know, seven-footer center um, and Stephen Crowell showed some really good flashes um, uh, as, a, as a big man. So Wisconsin basketball, it's certainly going to be different into, in terms of what they got, but I think the development you saw from a lot of those pieces that were kind of question marks last year makes you feel a lot better about this team, especially when you add in the fact that you, you got a couple other decent transfers in to the program, um, which I think will help Wisconsin fans feel a little bit better about this outlook of this team compared to where they were this past year, where we were thinking eight to 10th in the big 10. Um, so hopefully the expectations are a little bit better than that um, for this upcoming season.
0: Right. So Crowell, of course, Uh, showed a lot of promise for freshmen, but of course the the big thing differentiating him from your classic Wisconsin big was that there was a stretch in the season where uh, I I know in our game against in an Illinois game against Wisconsin, we just straight up stopped guarding him when he was outside the arc. Uh, We just didn't put anybody on him. Um, So that kind of goes along with the, the worry for next year, which is that there's a risk. This could be a a very, very bad shooting team Mm -hmm. um, uh, because a lot of shots were made much more open by the enormous threat of Johnny Davis in the mid in the mid range game. Um, so unless Jordan can emulate that somehow, the, the shooting is going to have to improve for them to have um, any kind of uh, sustained success.
1: Yeah, yeah, the shooting is once again, I think, going to be your your big area of concern. I will, I, I do think Jordan Davis has the potential to be a very good player. I don't think he's going to ever be as good as his brother, but I think he could develop into something nice. Um, but now you're going to be going into his junior season. It's it's kind of time to see what he can do in a more consistent role. But even the other guys on the roster, you know, they brought in a, a transfer point guard, at Kamari McGee from Green Bay, but he's more of a slasher, not really a shooter. Um, there's other guys that on this roster that looked like, you know, out of high school that they were shooters, but I don't think anyone is right now consistent enough where you feel good about the shooting ability of this team. There's guys that can get to the rim. There's guys that can play defense. There's guys that can work in the post to get to the foul line, but can anyone create their own shot is, is a question mark right now. And can anyone consistently knock down three pointers? I, I, I don't know. I think that's, it's going to be their Achilles heel again, but it might be even more prevalent than what it was this past year, because there were stretches where Davis and Davison while streaky in themselves were still probably more consistent than some of these guys might be at least right now.
0: Yeah. So on paper, it certainly looks like you can see what the team is going to look like, just not how they're going to win the games. However, uh, if, if, there there was at one point a pretty high population on the uh, island of people who are just here to watch Greg guard fall apart. Um, But that Island was stripped bare by the end of last season. Uh, it, it, at this point seems like an exercise in futility to try to predict what's going to happen with this guy, because, uh, it, it seems like the more on paper you should expect a real downturn to happen, uh, Greg guards just come up
1: with something. Exactly. It's 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 kind of weird how similar Wisconsin football and Wisconsin basketball can be because eventually you think, okay, we've had, you know, the, the football team nine-10 wins for quite a long time. Basketball team, you know, up until a few years ago, 20 some years of making the NCAA tournament, consistent program year in and year out, despite the talent not always being there. So I think this year will once again, be a team that could surprise some. I think they'll still be a fun team to watch. If expectations are tempered similar to where they were last year, I think this could be a really fun basketball team. I'm not going to sit here and say that this team is going to be what it was last year and winning the Big Ten and and looking like a team that could possibly make a run. I think this team's maybe a mid-tier Big Ten team that will will have a lot of fun watching, and there will be games where you won't have a lot of fun watching. But that's, that's just the nutshell of Wisconsin basketball. And, and and that's the way it's been for, for, for a good amount of time. And, and we'll see if they can make a little run in March, but if they do, if they don't, it's, it's not the end of the world, I guess.
0: <laughs> After last year, you just cannot at this point rule out Wisconsin as a big 10 title contender. How are they going to do it? I have no idea, yeah. Yeah. but <laughs> it's too early to rule them out. The big 10 basketball is going to be chaotic. Uh, next year with an an awful lot of turnover. Uh, of course, you know, then it's going to get crazier after that because uh, then you're going to have two more teams and Mick Cronin, big 10 basketball coach, if he lasts that long. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: so Which he seems
1: like a big 10 guy. Like, I think that he seems like a big 10 basketball coach through and through. Never, yeah. But if, we gonna absorb, <laughs> if we were going to
0: absorb, if we're going to absorb Pac 12 teams for their football coaches, though, I'm sorry, it should have been Stanford and David Shaw first and last. Mm-hmm. That is the Absolutely. most big 10 football coach, um, maybe in America. Absolutely. That's right. I'm calling you out, Kirk Ferentz. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in in this, uh, it, it, it does seem that for the time being in a sea of swirling change with college athletics, Wisconsin does provide you with some stability. We'll see how that progresses. Um, of course, we'll know that the end times are here if they start airing it out to any success uh, against a team that's not coached by Lovie Smith, that, that'll be a, a, a sign to maybe, Maybe make sure your panic room is fully stocked.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, if the Wisconsin comes out in a five-wide set and starts chucking it around, then it's time to hit the panic button a little bit. All right, well, thank you
0: once again for joining me. And this is uh, Tyler Hunt of Bucky's Fifth Quarter. We always like to support the other, uh, well, you know, the actual team blogs and stuff. We kind of exist in this uh in this weird uh, ether space where sometimes I'm not sure if a corporate knows that we're still here. Um, and I kind of, kind of like it that way because, (laughs) because they, they, if they
1: did notice we were still here, they, they might choose to correct that mistake. (laughs) All right. I appreciate you having me. It's, it's been a lot of fun to to talk some football and and some basketball too. Um, I, I really enjoy the work you guys do as well. All right, and uh, one last thing is go pack go, go pack go, absolutely. Your source for big talk, kids off tackle,
0: and